executed. <laughs> Several better ideas, yeah. like stuff that like would have been really cool, but instead we got that. All right, whatever. Um, do it. Yeah. Hello and welcome to the Watcher's Guide to the Marvel Universe, the show that's not really sure why you're here, but we're happy you are. <laughs> I'm Max. I'm Jr. I don't know. Like it's. It's been a confusing couple of metrics days. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just so it's so weird and I can't I can't figure out where the traffic is coming from. Yeah, if there was the some like IP address like generalities that we could be like they're all from Thailand or something, it would be like, okay, cool, but like it's just like, if we really do have 6,000 new English-speaking subscribers, amazing. In the and last we are ha- And we are happy... 13,000 last month. Like, yeah, and we are happy you're here, if that's real. But, like, look at our show, and then look at that, those numbers, and you understand why we're a little, like, oh, uh, huh? So... yeah. Yeah, I don't know. To to our listeners, thanks. Hi. I hope we're Hello. mildly entertaining or at least distracting. Yeah. I you know, whatever. Like yeah. sure, why not? Um Let's do so yeah, how's it going? Uh How was this week? This week was 45 years long. Um like all weeks in the past five years um and especially this year and uh i think i think i'm ready for a nap yeah yeah all the time yep but how are you uh relentlessly tired i i think i told you last night uh you know I'm on these I'm on these pills that I take them there during the day they make me drowsy as fuck and put me to sleep I take them at night I'm awake and I just it's so it's just like I'm running on empty uh of late so woo <laughs> yay I I can taste music um <laughs> anyway so yeah, um, news that won't make me depressed. Um, so, uh, I guess the first thing to talk about is the one we'll probably have the least to say about, which is Hulkling and Wiccan, uh, married. Great. Yeah. Good. Uh, those crazy cool. kids deserve it. Um, Especially like so, uh, in the in the lead up to in Lords of Empire, uh, Emperor Hulkling, I think it's called. I don't know. I'm tired. Uh, they there had been a thing about why uh, why Teddy agreed to become the emperor of the Kree slash Skrull, and. Uh, how 
in the wake of that decision, his advisors forced him to uh, break up with Billy and banish him from the Empire. But apparently they got married in secret. So, cool. Um, I guess, did he, like... Did Billy go to, like... The, the hub world of where where is the empire like seated uh currently in earth in earth orbit okay. <laughs> like, but like previously uh, before they came to earth was it on hala or some other neutral uh, space the the place where billy and teddy were having this drama play out was on a was on a ship it was in the in transit to Earth oh. to stop everything that's happening. Um, okay. So yeah. Um, so I mean, yeah, I don't have I don't have much more to say than good job. Like, I guess but, Alan Heinberg and Jim Chung were drawn in the background of a wedding scene, which is cool. Like them being like it being an Easter egg is fine. I know you said. You're not a big fan of, like, creators are in the book. Like, if it's a crowd shot, that's fine. If they're um, in the fucking background, like, they do that a lot in... I don't even mind it when it's, like, one or two panels. But when it's the whole... Well, actually, I do. <laughs> but when it's in the fucking background, I don't give a shit. You can put Jim yeah. Shooter in the background all you want. I don't give a crap. Yeah. <laughs> uh. So, yeah. Like, I'm... I... I love Billy and Teddy, both yeah. individually and jointly. Yeah. Um, so I'm all for it. Yeah. Cool. Uh, fuck yeah. Moving on. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. Uh, the next thing, uh, X-Men. So there are rumors going around um, that... There have been conversations about reviving the 90s X-Men cartoon on Disney+. Plus. They have only been conversations. There is nothing concrete. But I wanted to talk about this because... I get really fucking tired. I get really tired... Look. There is nothing wrong with revisiting stuff from your childhood. I get it. I get uh, that you you like visit revisiting things that you enjoyed before you had jobs and responsibilities and your life was a disappointment or whatever. <laughs> All right, cool. I get that. I'm right but... here. <laughs> that was a general you, not you specifically, man. You're good. You're, you're rocking it I'm out. Fine. Uh, <laughs> I'm okay. But, but I feel like the people who refuse to be budged from their comfort zone by anything less than an ICBM are the problem, not the people we should be catering to. Oh, yeah. Like, first of all, the X-Men the X-Men animated series had 5 seasons only 4 of which were even approaching worthwhile. Season 5 like 
it dropped off. And it's not just because of the animation. The animation was a problem, but the stories were also really fucking bad, too. Nobody was giving their all at that <laughs> point. So, like, it's it's done what it was going to do. Move the fuck on. And uh, But I look around at, like, this and, like... Uh, I know you're sick of hearing about it, the new Transformers War for Cybertron series, and I'm just like, you know, even if we're just, even if it's a new series based on an old thing, at least it's a new series, at least it's new character arcs, but when you have a show or a property where the specific characters you are revisiting have already had their character arcs and they're done and over. Why are we doing this other than so you can feel good? Like, just go watch the thing. Why? Just, just, it's already there. It's still there. Yeah. It's still there. You still have it. Yeah. And plus I can name on a one hand, the revivals uh, that were not disappointing. And, I mean, like, supposedly the Twin Peaks revival was really good. Uh, uh, but, like, the third season of t- Twin dot, Peaks. Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, because, like, Arrested Development went downhill after it was brought back. Heroes went downhill Heroes after it was, was brought bad. back. Uh well, I mean, yeah, it had nowhere to go but further down after it came <laughs> back. But, like, I'm just saying, like, I have, I can, I don't know why we in, insist on continuing to do this shit, even I mean, though it hardly ever turns out the way anyone wants it to. Battlestar, but that's, like, a really weird edge case where it was like, you had an absolute monster of a writer do as the showrunner. And like, I mean, Ronald Moore is a legend in Star Trek and you give him Battlestar and say, yeah, but also make it a little bloody. And that's well, and also so like not an out and out reboot an out and out reboot. I'm oh, yeah, that's soft what you're drawn. Saying. It depends. Yeah, yeah. It depends. Yeah. Okay. Reboots. It depends on what it is, but when when you're talking about bringing back something that has ended, and bringing it back in its original form with the original cast, how many of those are anything other than disappointing? Like, honestly, yeah, I don't um, know. So, just I mean, this if the numbers are there, Disney's going to do it no matter what. Oh yeah, like. But that's what I they do. do. They're a money engine. And if there's if there's attention and they can make money from it, they will do it. And that's a like I don't I'm not mad at them. Like that's their purpose is to do this. Like but it sucks that the numbers are there. Like we don't need this. Well, and it's like if it if people were clamoring for a revival of the '90s Spider-Man cartoon, I could understand that because there were plot threads that were never resolved. Mary Jane fell into the multiverse and was just never seen again. So if fans were just like, "We'd like closure for that," that I could get. But like 
there's nothing like that for X-Men. Uh-oh. Wolverine and the X-Men, I could get with that because it was canceled before its time. And I'm sorry, this may this may uh, get me a lot of ire from a lot of people. X-Men Evolution and Wolverine and the X-Men, both superior in a lot of ways to the 90s X-Men cartoon. Come at me, I don't give a shit. Um, <laughs> but like... JR's, JR's opinions are his own and do not reflect the entire production of... Oh, shut up. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, like, they're more consistent. They have, like, better arcs as a general rule that aren't just, hey, let's do the Dark Phoenix saga. Um, yeah, I mean, I they have do no... do that, but, like... I have no uh, dog in that fight, and because I don't think I've watched... No, I know I didn't watch either of those, just because... Uh, I don't think I had TV at the time. Um, just that was school when I was yeah. poor. But yeah, I. The thing that this feels like, and this is a whole. This is a minorly different kettle of fish, but like, they also. Uh, I don't. Hulu, I think. Announced that they were partnering with some other production company to bring back Ren and. or to make more Ren and Stimpy which is just like okay first of all we don't need it they already did this once Ren and Stimpy tried a revival once in like 2003 or 6 and it was god awful and it doesn't work anymore um that's I mean, how that's well it number one. back then is questionable. Well, but. yeah, I mean, how successful it was when it first came out is questionable as well. But like, it it was weird and it was targeted specifically at kids who I don't know. It actually doesn't matter because of the second thing, which is that the showrunner is a fucking monster. So yeah. and like and I mean that in a bad way. I just refer to Ronald Moore as a, in a, as a monster in a good way. Uh, John K can go fuck himself to death. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> uh, in the Battlestar Galactica sense, it's like monster, like kicking ass and taking names. In yeah. this case, it's like destroying lives and Actual, ruining children. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um, yeah. So the the creator of Ren and Stimpy, if you do not know, go Google it. He is terrible um and i do not given that environment like the fact that everybody fucking knows that uh why are we doing anything that could profit him and you're telling me or before we started recording that there's some way that he's not going to get any money out of this and i'm like i don't know how the hell you do that but well first first of all um to preface, to preface this, saying that he does not receive money is not an endorsement of any of this whatsoever. No, absolutely um, But second of all, uh, the, the thing about it is, is even if you could find a situation in which um, John Kay receives no money whatsoever from the revival slash reboot I have a hard time with the idea that 
uh, no money for it means no material gain whatsoever as a result of the revival right, because slash he's, reboot. He's still going to get attention out of it, right? Like, they he's made gonna this thing. He's going to get attention out of it, and, you know, I mean, it's it's one of those things that um, even even if you can prevent him from specifically getting money for um, the show itself, preventing him from getting any benefit out of it whatsoever is another matter entirely. I don't know how you would quash any chance of him Capitalizing getting fat it. off of this. Yeah. So, And, okay, so maybe that's a little off the topic that is like we don't we don't fucking need this but then everybody goddamn doesn't does nobody pays attention to the news when there is new stuff myself included i'm the guilty as hell because i'm looking at uh spike's twitter and being like i didn't even know that show existed i didn't know all five of the shows that you're telling me were existed and got canceled in the last five years I didn't know any of them happened. And that's my bad, too. Like, because we're not supporting the new stuff. Um, yeah. And I, it's, it's well, okay, so it's not really my fault because it isn't really my niche. But, like, don't, don't bitch about, not you, but, like, people... Don't bitch about like the the art styles of all the cartoons being the same now when you're not out like supporting completely different things. Um, I don't know. Go follow I, Spike. I Go follow Spike. She has a better fucking take on literally everything than me. But like, also, she does a really good rundown on this shit. I mean, it's it's one of those things like being being able to find new stuff takes effort it does it does i mean you know it's it's one of those things that you know i i tie it to music because music was a thing that as a kid i swore up and down i was not going to be my mom i was not going to be you know listening only to the stuff that was popular when i was a kid and like, you know, because at one point, like I, I made mention of the Ramones and my mom was like, who? And I'm like, oh no, no, this is not going to be me. But like, also the fact of the matter is as you get older and as you are no longer in the spheres wherein, uh, other people are, you know, because when you're, when you're young, New music is everywhere. It's yeah. everywhere. You're at school with people who have all of these musical tastes and like you're hearing new shit all the time and you're young and you're vital and important. And, you know, I'm 38 now and it's like I hear new stuff on TV shows and at Walmart. Like, I just because I don't because music was one. of It's one of those things like I I think I've told you this before. I used to joke about model train guys, but I get it now because 
as you get older, it gets harder and harder. And there's so much to like invest your time and money into that. Eventually the number of things you actually give a shit about narrows until eventually you're like the model train guy, the comic book guy, the music guy or whatever. And it's hard. Well, Um, I mean, music is comics and music just whatever whatever your thing is books uh novels so, i mean it's really hard to be to find new things especially when you're when you're 35 when you're when you're 15 everything everything is new a right yeah. because you you're an idiot um but like so like if anybody's like faced babe and you're just like hey have you heard it's like that video going around about the two teenagers listening to phil collins it's like yeah like if you're if you're a kid and you're listening to in the uh, air in the air like yeah fuck yeah like i get it but like (laughs) you know because everything is just like i've literally done that like i did that that exact like that that drum that drum drop it, we've all been had that brain yeah. explosion where you're just like holy shit that's rad like yeah but like yeah okay okay we we all get it though <laughs> you're you too are human um, yeah but like yeah you get to a point where everything is so much fucking work and you don't have any goddamn time. Like, I've just given up on music. Like, I just, I literally, entire, the whole art form, like, if, unless it comes to me on accident, I'm, I'm not hunting that shit down anymore. Comics is, like, the last thing where I'm, like, paying, like, I've got my ear and nose to the ground a little closer, and I'm, like, watching things around, not just capes, but the, uh, you know, image and all that other stuff is, and boom, and whatever anybody else is doing, but, but that's because... I already have the groundwork. I know the creators I follow. And they, you know, like, and Twitter's really helped with that, where it's like, you follow Gail Simone or you follow Cy Spurrier and you listen to what they're doing or, and uh, G. Willow Wilson, and you, you know, listen to what they're doing, listen to the people or to who they say they want you to go pay attention to, follow that stuff around, like, and that's, but that's because I already have this bedrock of right. folk. I can still, I, that I'm even able to do that. Like, I picked right. up on Saga because of Twitter being weird about Saga. Like, not because I was in the comic shop and was like, well, take a chance on this. No. <laughs> no. Right. It was five years after it started. Um, and same with uh, Wikdiv, even though the covers on that were so good. And I'd always would look at it in the store and be like, mm, that looks tasty. I don't know what it is, but I want it. Um, but like, what were we talking about other than being an adult sucks? Uh, X-Men. Right. <laughs> the animated series. What I'm saying, okay, with animation, it's the same sort of thing, right? Like, I, I assume that there are people like us, but for animation that are mm-hmm. like watching cartoons and or animated series and stuff like that and being like this is good this is good follow these creators ooh that's brand new who is that where did they come from who were they influenced by that kind of thing like that's there are people 
go find them. Like, yeah. pay attention yeah. to what they do. That's don't just listen to Ren and St- or watch Ren and Stimpy or the X Men, or just go watch X Men again. Like, what's it's there? Fine. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Like, like I said, I you know I I own uh, animated series that I grew up with, and I'll watch them from time to time, and and that's fine. But I'm not there. There are none of those that I'm just like. I look at them and I'm just like, I must have this exact thing forever or I'm angry. And that's the, that's the thing I don't get is just where we're, it's fine to like a thing and it's fine to want more of a thing, but wanting exactly the thing you had when you were a kid, like just, yeah, you, you had it. It's still there. It's 2020. It's all still available in some way. Yeah. Why are Fucking we remake going? Why, why are we making more Beavis and Butthead? That was the other one that is in rumors. Yeah. That why are we instead of giving just giving Mike Judge a pile of money and saying go make me a thing, like because when he does, it's awesome. Like yeah. my King of the Hill. Yeah. Idiocracy, fucking Silicon Valley, like great, like yeah. my, I Mike Judge has done so much better stuff since Beavis and Butthead, but you want him to keep cranking out the same idiotic shit he did and like thirty years ago. But also, like, there's this argument to be like, what would Beavis and Butthead even be now? Like, the point of the show was that they were loner wastoids in a wasteland. And like yeah. that, that cannot exist now. Um, so, what what is even what is? So go give him a pile of money and be like, go do a thing, right? Like just you always do a good thing, uh, and the spinoffs for your things that are always are always good. Like Daria, I don't need a remake of Daria. Daria is great. Daria just was a thing Daria. that existed at a time when that was what I was into, but now I find ca- characters like Daria pretty insufferable. Like Jane's the hero whatever. of Daria. Do what? Jane is the hero of Daria. Well, yeah, but uh, um. Anyway, moving all right. on. <laughs> moving uh, on. Last thing. Hey, everybody. Jr. here, recording from my couch on editing day. I forgot during the episode to drop a spoiler warning because we do discuss the events of Empire for a few minutes, so I'm adding it now. If you don't want spoilers, skip to about 35 minutes, 45 seconds, and you should be safe. Um, Empire. So, we haven't we haven't really talked about Empire much since it started. I've been following it, and it's interesting. Sure. Um, the short version is Kree Skrull Empire have merged behind uh, Hulkling, who is now Emperor of both. Um, there are other like sects or whatever, but the empires themselves have reorganized together behind him. Uh, they were coming to Earth. And everybody's just like, oh man, what's that going to be? Well, it turns out. So, 
in the beginning of Empire, uh, Tony Stark has a dream about the murder of the Katati way back uh, in the history of the Korean scroll. Uh, something that he experienced during the Kree Scroll War. He was given a vision of it in which he was like practically there watching the Katati getting massacred by the Kree. Um, he has this dream. No sooner does that happen than the Celestia, than the Celestial Messiah and Swordsman, who has been resurrected as a Katati, uh, contact. Do what? Did you say Messiah? Messiah. It is not Messiah? the Madonna. Not the Madonna. The Messiah is born and he's grown. Oh, okay. Some. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. He's like a dude. Sweet. Uh, so they are, they contact the Avengers and we're, they're like, we need you in the blue area of the moon. So the Avengers come and the Messiah is just like, I need your help. The Kree and the Skrull have united and they are coming to wipe us out again. And the Avengers are like, well, we know you. Well, of course we'll help you. Um, and uh, Carol kind of takes Iron Man aside and she's like, um, I don't know about this. And he's like, what are you talking about? And she's like, not too long ago, referring to the re events of the incoming one shot. They said that the... Korean scroll representatives during the Dark Phoenix saga and other things uh, were on Earth and working together and that they were murdered and one of them straight up had a tree grow out of him. And he had they had received a message from one of them posthumously saying, beware the trees. Um, and she's like, I don't know what to make of this. It seems a little odd for all of that to be happening and then this and Iron Man's like we know Koi uh we've he's practically an Avenger himself it's fine um so then the Korean Skrull Empire's sh Empire ships show up uh and the Avengers go to fight them She-Hulk is taken aside by swordsmen at one point given a sword and taught meditation techniques because Jennifer has been sort of more of a savage She-Hulk for a while now. Yeah. Uh, he, she's given a sword and taught some meditation te techniques that make her a little more, like, stable. And, like, she's able to talk in complete sentences. Um, the Avengers fight a delaying action during which time this flower in this garden that they've grown in the blue area of the moon have blooms and then Koi is just like now is the time to shatter the illusions death to the animals and uh, so basically the Kotati are now going to wipe out every non-plant based living thing in the universe Jesus Um. so that's what Empire is is it's everybody versus the Kotati well, one of the big reveals is that um, She-Hulk, when she was taken aside by swordsmen, what actually happened was they did a ritual which killed She-Hulk and replaced her with a Katati. They did this with her because 
when a Katadi takes over the body of a dead person, they turn green, and sh- nobody would notice She-Hulk being green. Right. Um, but the Katadi in Jennifer's body is adamant that uh, Jennifer is dead, but by the same token, Immortal Hulk, all of the Gamma people aren't really able to die, so yeah. we'll see, but... Um, that sounds actually kind of rad. I have not I, been, I, I have not been following it um, because I haven't been going anywhere but the liquor store and the grocery store. Um, but I that actually sounds pretty fun and yeah. good and cool. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a lot of there's a lot of you know, X Men number ten has Vulcan with having a run in with the Katati and he's just like you you don't want to mess with me and they're just like ha okay meat like ha ha <laughs> and then he just blows them all <laughs> so yeah i don't know it's it's interesting it's one of those things of i've been burned before like oh. Secret Invasion had a great start. Oh, so we've talked. We've we we've done that rant a couple of times on this show. Where yes, the short version of that rant is the first three issues of Secret Invasion, or even the first four, are fucking good and well, really it's such a great premise. And, and they the do so many interesting so... things, and then it's just like, and then it just craters. Um, but that was its yeah. own, like, it, Secret Invasion died under its own weight. Um, there were yeah. too many tie-ins and too many other things. Because the premise, that was the one time in, you know, the recent history of the tie, of the uh, Marvel events, that the tie-ins and all of that stuff actually made it, made as much sense to me as they did, because mm-hmm. that was the premise, is everyone is switched or you don't know it's, who is switched. it's far reaching like yeah, it, exactly. could, it could be literally anyone and a lot of people were replaced and so yeah cool but oh, like this 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 sounds like it's a little tighter um and it sounds like if you do a one shot or a tie-in into a different book that you don't actually have to read it um the, is the event book enough on its own? I'm not sure yet. Um, okay. I'm I'm a, a week or two behind mm-hmm. um, in reading it, so yeah. Um, because I would look into downloading those if if you know pay the four bucks and download them from Marvel if if the event book was a, enough on its own. Like if the event book made sense on its own, um, then I would, I would go after that. Yeah, I don't know. Let me take a look, and I can tell you. Okay. Uh, so, yeah. Um, right. Anyway, well, thirty-five minutes in, we probably ought to talk about comics. You know what? You know what? Our la- our episode last week was really short. It was only like an hour and thirty-six minutes, which is like minuscule by our by our regular standards uh, standards so whatever yeah. uh plus some of these i feel like we can just here's what happened blah uh speaking ghost of ghost writer 
Do what? Speaking of... Ghost Rider number 25 has a cover by Gil Kane and is written by Jim Shooter, penciled by Don Heck, inked by Tony DeZuniga, uh, colored by Don Warfield, excuse me, lettered by Denise Wall and edited by Archie Goodwin. Uh, there is a dude called Malice, and I, it's, it's interesting how many villains in Marvel, uh, start out as just bored rich dudes, um, but that's, that's what Malice is, um, yeah, and, uh, he's blowing shit up and burning it down just because he can, uh, Ghost Rider has a couple near misses with him, but then he, he goes after him and, uh, Malice blows up a bridge to try and prevent him from chasing him, but he's the ghost rider. That's not going to stop him. Uh, they, the fight comes out of vehicles and into in person, at which point Malice gets like roasted with hellfire and, uh, some concrete gets melted around him to hold him in place until the cops come. Yeah, but just like uh, we've seen in the past in Ghost Rider's book, at least that uh, when when he does the soul fire thing, um, you're 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 done. You become a gibbering goddamn mess, and yeah. uh, that's what happens to Malice here. the The only thing that's kind of and then the cops come and take him away, or so it's said. The only thing that I think is kind of interesting with the character in this book is that he's starting to evaluate a, does he want to be a hero? Is he a superhero? What is he? Um, right. Maybe not evaluates a heavy handed word. More like he starts asking himself questioning. Yeah. Two, he does start to interrogate a little, like what is why, who am I? Right, like in insofar as like I seem to be slipping into this uh, persona that I had been just affecting um, at when I'm ghostwriter a little easier, and yeah. roasting this guy, roasting this guy with hellfire to you know essentially decimate his soul, not that big a deal to me. Like, uh, is yeah. that what does that say? What what's the deal here? And uh, yeah. Like, we don't get a lot of work done there. Also, he's like, which one do I love, Karen or Roxy? And it's like, neither, you fool. Uh, But, like, uh, that's the only kind of interesting thing that's going on. But we don't get a lot done with it. It just appears. So, I don't know. if If that's the way the book went... And, like, that was the overall question we were attempting to answer with Ghost Rider. Like, who is the character? Like, that's a question that needs answered. And I would be interested in seeing that play out over a couple of Monster of the Week kind of issues. Yeah. And and it's something, it's something that needs to happen. Like, mm-hmm. they need to decide what... Uh, what like where are we going with this character like if they want to do if they want to do the hellfire like gur demon thing cool 
but he can't be on the champions. If they want to do the champions, cool, but he can't be doing the Gur Demon Hellfire shit. Like, because they're completely incongruous. And, you know, this, this, conver- this is a conversation that needs to be had with a lot of characters. Deadpool cannot be the Merc with the Mouth and an Avenger. Like, you can't, he can't be blowing up the, the heads of child molesters and then just, like, chilling with Cap and Thor. Like, it's either or. Like, clean him up or don't. And, yeah, the this in-between shit is, like, just get to it. Um, so, yeah. Um... Overall, like, the chase in this issue is is not bad, um, you know, but overall the issue itself is kind of, eh, malice yeah. is crap, but I think they know that. Like, I don't think, I don't think anyone's actually trying to make malice in terms of the creative team. Nobody's yeah. trying to make malice out to be more than he is. Like the news is just like, who is this new villain? But that's what the news does. Um, but the creative team, I don't think, is is making a mountain out of a mole here, molehill here, the way they often do. I think malice is just a vehicle through which Ghost Rider can ask these questions, right. and I'm fine with that. I am too. That's why I was saying, like, if we did. If if we did this through a couple of like villain of the week issues, like or the mm-hmm. month, I guess, then that would be fine by me. Just some guy shows up out of nowhere, and Ghost Rider is like, "Am I even a superhero? Like, what? It, this is is yeah. this my job? Like, I don't want to. Do I want to do this, or do I want to go get somebody else? Like, what do I want to do? Yeah. As long as I actually find that compe- kind of compelling." Um, m- mainly because of the, what you just said, which is like the work needs to be done, and uh, they should have done it all. They probably should have done it already, but whatever. As if yeah. you're trying now, that's fine. I, I am for it. My only concern at this time is that we're going through a period where Ghost Rider is still trying shit on to see if it works. So I don't know. I don't know if, like, if this is moving in that direction, cool. If they're trying this out and it's not going to work and they're going to abandon it in two issues time to make him, like, hell's, hell's au pair for a couple <laughs> issues or whatever, then I don't fucking care and just spare me. Like, right. I can't, I've been burned before, I can't trust again. <laughs> Anyway, supervillain team up, yeah, <laughs> number uh, fourteen, has a cover by John Byrne and Terry Austin, and is written by Bill Mantlo, penciled by Bob Hall, inked by Don Perlin and Duffy Voland, colored by Don Warfield, lettered by Irving Watanabe, and edited by Archie Goodwin. Um, Magneto and Doom are having a dick measuring contest, and Doom's like, "You don't understand. You've already lost." And Magneto's like, "Lost." I am Magneto. You are but a simple human. Come on. Who's lost here? And Doom's like, okay, let me show you how I've already won. (laughs) And 
so the the short version is Doom has released a neurogas that makes literally everyone in the world his slave. Yeah. Uh, all it takes is him showing up and being like, do what I say, and they will. Um, Magneto doesn't believe him, so Doom proves it to him. And uh, he's like, but it's kind of boring being master of the world and nobody can appreciate my victory. So I'll tell you what, let's have some fun. And so he releases Magneto um, and says, if you can best me, despite my already running the world, more power to you. And so Magneto leaves um, and goes to find the Avengers. And the Avengers are like, oh shit, Magneto! Because of course they do. Um, So they attack... (laughs) And Magneto's like, no, you need to listen to me. Um, And they're like, ugh, what? And so he explains Doom is is poised to take over the world. You need to help me. At which point a hologram of Doom pops up and he's just like, come on, man. (laughs) And like, he makes the Avengers turn against Magneto. Um, But then, like... Doom is just like, all right, so I'll tell you what. If you can free one of the Avengers, uh, you can have him. Like, whatever. You can have one. If you can free it, you can have one Avenger as an ally. Um, But you've got to figure out how to free them from the neuro, the meddling I've been doing in their brains. So he's like, I know you. Grabs Beast. And throws him in a Quinjet. Uh, Which is is really frustrating because ostensibly the reason he does this is to have an in with the X-Men. If he shows up at the X-Men's doorstep and he's like, Beast, I'm on the level, uh, then the X-Men will listen. But the X-Men are also controlled by Doom. Why? Why? Grab grab fucking Iron Man. Yeah. Grab, you know, is Thor there? Grab, yeah, Thor's there. Grab Thor. What are you doing? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, or Vision, literally anybody else. Um, yeah. But I understand from a story perspective what we're doing here because in he mentions it in this book, but in definitely it's prominent in, in the Avengers act, like, uh, title that Beast doesn't really think he's supposed to be there at the moment and we need to give beast we need to give beast a win Um, right and that's why he's from a story perspective that's why from a character standpoint magneto magneto is a is an intelligent human being like if it were absorbing man i could see him being just like thou grab the one that makes the most sense to me but right magneto is is not only powerful he's also smart right and the fact that he grabs beast knowing that the x-men i mean like i was able to work this out and magneto wasn't please um so the x-men and the fantastic four aren't at home not that it would have mattered uh so they try to recruit the champions but of course the champions oddly enough are also being controlled by doom and so of course we're 
now launching into these two versus the champions. Woo. Um, whatever. Uh, I, I have yet, you know, supervillain team up is much like Marvel team up in that it's a marketing exercise. Uh, I get that, but I just, even so, like, there's not even as much to compel me here as there is with Marvel team up. Like at least Marvel team up occasionally. I'm like, Oh, cool. That has yet to happen with super villain uh, team up. Yeah. I, well, they don't even have, they don't have a compelling. Well, right. It's, it's doom and, or Namor Magneto. Not, there's not a lot else. Like it's always doom, which is fine. But like, pick some, pick somebody, and give Doom a better angle. Like, yeah, throughout all of this, give Doom a be- throughout the entirety of this book so far, give Doom a better angle, because yeah. this is not, this is not up to par for Doom. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, Champions number sixteen has a cover by Bob Hall and is written by Bill Manlow, penciled by Bob Hall, inked by Mike Esposito, colored by Phil Rachelson, lettered by Denise Wall, and edited by Archie Goodwin. Uh, so, we this have the fight, fight. goes about as well as you would expect, which is, it's yeah. a complete shit show. Uh, for yeah. everyone involved. Um, yeah. It, like... The champions are still kind of falling all over each other, um, and Magneto is certainly helping. Uh, <clears throat> Bobby and Angel get real pissed at Beast immediately, which is par for the course and makes sense, too. They're like, why would you be on Magneto's side? Uh, you're clearly a traitor of some sort, and fuck you. So, <clears throat> it's just... Yeah, it's a shit show. Beast and Magneto eventually get tired of having their taking their licks and are like, "We're gone, bye," and they yeah. fuck off. Uh, Dark Star puts everybody else into a Dark Star bubble and uh, chases after them. Okay, Doom, meanwhile, is in the U.S. or is in Washington, uh, becoming uh, Chancellor of the United States. Uh, because I guess Jimmy Carter just can do that. Uh, just give power to a person. That's that's fine. Um, I mean, who's gonna stop him though? Like, with, I mean, if if Jimmy Carter were under the effects of the neurogas and no one else was, and he was just like, "Hey, y'all, this is your new boss," and it's just like, "I am doomed," then people would be like. What? No, but everybody's affected <laughs> yeah. by the Nero gas. So it's like, yay, Doom! Um, yeah, the the interesting thing about this, the one thing that I dig about this is that uh, Doom, Doom accepts their surrender, but then like everybody's fawning over him, and he's just kind of like, stop it. Doom does not like this. What do you... Go away. And like storms out, uh, and so I dig that. The rest of this is whatever. But 
Hulk shows up and Doom's just like bow before me and Hulk is like Hulk bow and uh then the ch- then Magneto and Beast show up so Hulk fights them then the champions show up and it becomes a free for all but then Ghost Rider gets freed because he doesn't really need to breathe so he then joins Magneto and Beast in fighting they are able, he is able to, he uses his hellfire to burn Doom. The pain of his superheated heart armor causes him to, like, remove his mask, which means he gets affected by the Nero gas. And what winds up happening is that Doom is just like, oh no, Doom needs orders from Doom in order to do anything, but Doom can't give doom orders ah and so he's just like paralyzed which doesn't really make a whole lot of sense like because everybody else was able to function when they did this or when the book did this i was like well fine it's over like I wasn't even re- willing to interrogate it that much because i was just like okay fine it's done i just i don't yeah. care um, yeah. Basically, yeah, it, it creates an Ouroboros of control, I guess, where Doom just gets stuck in a cycle and then nobody's under his control anymore. Okay, fine. Um, but. And I, my, my I, I guess whole, they send him home. <laughs> my whole thing is just. If you're going to give me rules for how a thing works, stick to those rules. Right. And they didn't. And I hate that. Um, But whatever. Uh, Not not great, but... eh. Yeah. Whatever. Yep. All right. Avengers number 161 has a cover by George Perez, Pablo Marcos, and Irving Watanabe, written by Jim Shooter, penciled by George Perez, inked by Pablo Marcos, colored by Jim Shooter, lettered by Denise Wall, and edited by Archie Goodwin. Um, Everybody's... (laughs) Everybody's, like, ooing and aahing over Wonder Man's new costume. Which is atrocious. Uh, it is. It is it's... a crime against color. Like, <laughs> I... what is it? That is a crime against color. Somewhere there's a rainbow crime. <laughs> uh, the uh, the thing about it is this. Um, what was it? What was the episode where we were talking about the random character that showed up to audition for the Frightful Four? That had that hideous fucking costume. Oh. That he's just like, I like color. And somebody was like, I can tell. <laughs> um, uh, this is this is much like that. This is a graphic design is my passion costume. Yeah. Like, p- pick a theme. Pick, pick a color palette and go with that instead of whatever the fuck this is supposed to be. And um, he does say that Beast made it. Um, Beast designed it. 
and which I think is cute. Like, my best friend made me a costume. Oh, well, I don't know if we're <laughs> best friends yet. That might be a bit much, but we will I, be. I like the idea that Wonder Man has, like, decided they're best friends, <laughs> but Beast doesn't know yet. Like, <laughs> but... I, I like the idea that Beast is the one that made this because it supports my belief that Beast is uh, colorblind. Oh, yeah, uh, sure. But <laughs> uh, Hank Pym shows up as Ant-Man and he's just like, who the fuck are you people? Iron Man, why are you wearing that weird armor? Like, what is going on? Uh, and... Um, Everybody's just like, what is, what is happening? <laughs> and so Hank starts attacking everyone uh, with ants. Beast and Black Panther are in the other room, like looking at old tapes about past adventures. Um, but like everybody gets taken out in fairly short order. But then like Wasp shows up and blasts Hank. Um and Jen is just like, things have gone so wrong. And what's what's interesting about this is that um, there have been things that have been made about how Jen is an enabler of Hank's shit. Like, and that is very much on display here. Yeah. Um, because she has been hiding the fact that he's been slowly losing it even more than everybody already thought. Yeah. Um, and she's like, I've been trying to help him, but he's just, it's bad. Um, like, but the, the fact that she was like, I even went ahead and like made him, made him an appointment for a therapist or for a psychiatrist and uh he wouldn't go so i went in his place and it's like no that's not the way Mm. this works you're not supposed to do that um but like and then the psychiatrist is just a complete doofus because he's like you have to reinforce his positive behavior and it's like this isn't her like it's not on her you ass yeah um, yeah and like, she's you know, here help her don't yeah psychoanalyze from a distance you dick yeah but she says okay things but then things got better you know he got back into the black jacket costume and we rejoined the avengers things looked like they were on the up and up um and uh it turned out that it was actually far worse than i knew um, so mm-hmm. she comes in and finds the lab trashed, uh, and is that's when she chases after him to hear. Okay, fine. Beast takes Jan back to their house so she can pick up some things that might like shake him out of his fugue state. They decide to put him into the. What the hell is that thing called? The recall inducer. The subliminal recall inducer. Which we've used on other people right. before. So that they were rest- trying to restore his memory. And yeah, Beast and Jan go to her house, or their place, to uh, 
pick up some other items that might help Jog. While they're there, Jan gets taken by some, oh no, you off-camera force, and Beast is being pursued by this force and hightails it back to the mansion. Meanwhile, everybody else is trying to get a hold of uh, either Thor or Hawkeye, and no one's answering because Asgard's difficult to contact, and Hawkeye is playing cowboy. Hawkeye's out with Two Gun Kid getting it wet, and yeah. uh, Quicksilver. The Inhumans are busy, <laughs> um, so Quicksilver's occupied. So Beast, um, Beast shows up and is like, "She's got Jan, or he's got Jan. He's he's got Jan, and he looks rough, like Beast's yeah. been fucked up." Uh, and uh, that's when Ultron piles in and uh, mops the floor with just everybody. Yeah, uh, the the frustrating thing here is that Scarlet Witch seems to actually be doing some damage to him, but then Cap gets in the middle of it, and this is this is one of those really frustrating moments where um, either the people involved are trying to make Cap look worse for some reason, or maybe we give cap too much credit for being a tactical genius because like everybody else's attacks are doing nothing someone is actually hurting him and cap is just like i'll help (laughs) and like fucks it up um but uh they all get taken out um and a couple of them are pretty badly injured because they wind up out for several issues here. Um, But Ant-Man... Ultron ends up taking Ant-Man and uh, the Wasp away. And that was... Right. Or or he he grabs Ant-Man and pieces out. And that was presumably his goal. Um, And Jarvis shows up and finds all of the Avengers just uh, trashed. Yeah. Um, One thing I will say about Beast in this issue. So, this is not a bad character moment, but it's one that I'm tired of. And that's not, and that's not necessarily uh, a diss against this specific instance of it, because this instance of it predates a lot of the ones that, I would use as an example of this sort of thing. Um, And that is, so, as as Beast is getting ready to leave with Jan, he makes a joke. And a couple people are just like, Beast, not appropriate. Shit is real right now. And Beast is like, okay, alright, sorry. And so he and Jan leave, and she's just like, you know... I, it didn't really bother me. Like, I get it. And he's just like, you know, I've been going through a lot of changes and it's taking some getting used to. And, you know, it's like, it's either laugh or cry. And this is interesting in moderation. Okay. Right. Spider-Man. Uh, processing a lot of what happens to him through humor, fine. 
uh, strong guy in that issue of X Factor where it turns out that he covers the fact that he's constantly in pain by constantly cracking jokes. Okay, but like it seems like every character at this point who is in any way funny, we have to reveal that they're actually hiding some serious trauma. And it's like, I get that the idea is that all great humor comes from misery, but you know, not every comedian is unhappy. Uh, like, and it kind of waters down that concept yeah. when literally everyone who cracks a joke is then just like, I choked me as my daddy hit me. And it's just like, okay, but could somebody crack a joke just because they like jokes? Occasionally? And like, that's, and I like it better when Beast is that way, where it's just like, I just like being funny. I, yeah, yeah. Like, and, you know, he can still be like, hey, you know, you're right. Sorry that maybe that isn't, this isn't the time. Um, but I just, uh, I just, I had a joke in my head and I thought it was a joke okay yeah um and you know it's it's one of those things of yeah humor is a coping mechanism for a lot of people i use it as a coping mechanism but i'm just saying like not every character has to sometimes it's okay for someone to be funny just because they want to be funny yeah not everybody is fucking pagliacci guys (sighs) anyway uh, Avengers number 162 has a cover by George Perez and Pablo Marcos and is colored by Don Warfield and lettered by Gaspar Saladino and Denise Wall. Um, <clears throat> uh, a bun- Thor arrives at Avengers Mansion and a bunch of people seem to be dead. Um, <laughs> like they, they try really hard to make us think that that's the case, but come on guys. Um, you didn't kill Cap. Iron Man, Vision, and Wanda. You di- you didn't kill four, three or four Avengers, like. Plus the idea, the idea that they would kill like that many major characters and not announce it on the goddamn cover. I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, no. No, actually, uh, I'm more used to them announcing it on the cover and then faking me out. Like, right, yeah. This is... Like, having a cover that's just like, somebody dies, yeah. and then it's like, rando. Um, uh, so, yeah. Iron Man, basically we're left with Thor, Black Panther, Wonder Man, and Iron Man is messed up, but not dead. Um, yeah. And he's recharging. He recounts... Black Panther recounts the story of what happened to Thor to get him caught up uh, and us. Uh, Meanwhile, in Ultron's lair, uh, he is monologuing to the audience and Hank about, like, what the deal is. And we're going to transfer Jan's consciousness into a robot body. All right. And uh, he needs Hank to do that. Um Hank doesn't remember anything, and we're led to believe that Ultron is the one that wiped his memory up to basically right. the formation of the Avengers. And yeah, ba- like the Avenger in Hank's mind, the Avengers have literally just formed. Um, Hank thought he was on his way to the 
first meeting of the Avengers. Um, and uh, that's why he was just like, ah, imposters and invaders. Um, but he's still in love with Jan. He doesn't even know that they're married and he wants to save her. So he's willing to believe what this clearly insane robot is telling him about uh, yeah. how to do that. Uh, yeah. Hawkeye is in Arizona. Okay. Um, the one thing I do like about the Hawkeye thing is Hawkeye, like, the dude that runs the ranch they're at is just like, oh yeah, by the way, somebody called for you. And he's like, oh, who was it? And the guy's like, I don't know. I was really drunk. And uh, he's like, all right, well, if it's important, they'll call back. And so he and the ranch owner go to do something. And he's like, hey, Two-Gun Kid, if anybody calls for me again, please take a message. And Two-Gun's like, yeah, sure, man. Uh, but then, like, the phone rings. <laughs> all of those and words like, made sense to me. Yeah. So the phone rings and... He gets sick of the ring, so he shoots the phone, and he's just like, someday I'll have to ask Hawkeye what he means by telephone. Yeah, so I'll have <laughs> and, to have uh, him explain to me what that noisy contraption was. And it's like, okay, it's a fun joke. Yeah. Uh, so the upshot of all of this is that uh, Ultron is tricking uh, Hank into uploading Jan's consciousness to this robot body that will will eventually become the character Jocasta. Yeah, I was wondering um, about that. I thought so. Um, and uh, he he lies to Hank and says, we upload her body long, uh, to this body, or we upload her mind to this body to keep her safe so we can heal her body and then put her back in her normal body but in fact he's just trying to build himself a bride and there is no way of undoing it when it's all said and done um and man's like oh well yeah we gotta we gotta help her um the transfer begins and like jan is just like no please stop and the robot's just like hank no it's no and uh stuff like that Back Meanwhile, at Avengers Mansion, yeah. they're trying to figure out where where Ultron is and not having any luck when a bunch of ants spell out Starkly. <laughs> uh, and everybody's like, what the fuck does that mean? And Iron Man's like, it's Stark Long Island. It's a uh, a factory that is no longer in use. Uh, that's where they are. So they go. Um the thing that I like about this is that on the way to go and fight Ultron, Thor is just like, oh yeah, we're, we're fighting Ultron and it's to the death, baby. Like one of us is not walking away. And Wonder Man, Wonder Man, like this hits Wonder Man hard yeah. and it results in for, uh, I, I don't know how long it goes on, but for a while, Wonder Man's just like, oh shit, I could die again. Like, yeah. is this what I want to be doing? And it affects it affects the fight with Ultron, and it affects the next issue we read as well. Um, where he's just like, ah, mm, I really don't know if this is 
where I want to be. Um, but, uh, so they, they show up and they confront Ultron. Um, they all, they managed to win out. They managed to stop the transfer. Um, and, uh, the Ultron's bride is rendered inert again. Um, but in the process, Iron Man is, thre Iron Man threatens the robot that Ultron is making. Right. And he says, you know, stand down. She, you're made of adamantium. She's not, I will destroy her. And, uh, Ultron is just like, fuck you. All right, fine. Um, And we get into it. We get into a little bit of like, how could you do that? Well, Ultron's not real, <laughs> you know, and neither is his robot bride. And it's just like, guys, Vision is in the hospital right now. <laughs> like, that's harsh. Yeah. Um, but I. So the thing is, at the end of this. Uh, they're all like, they're huddled around Jan and they're just like, thank God you got word to us. And she's like, what are you talking about? And they're like the ants. And she goes, I didn't do that. He wouldn't have left me any way to contact. Yeah. She can't control the ants contact without, you. The, without her equipment. And she was naked the whole time. Um, and they're like, how, how did that happen then? And he get, they kind of figure out that while there was enough of her mind being transferred to the robot body that the robot body would have had access to that equipment and it was actually the robot that contacted them so right so yeah um <clears throat> it's really odd how hank is a gibbering mess at the end of this and then he shows up later this week and everything's fine Whee! i mean fine whatever i don't know that i'd call him fine yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah. Yeah. Um, so that brings us to Iron Man Annual Number 4, which has a cover by Al Milgram and is written by Bill Mantlow, penciled by George Tusca, inked by Don Perlin, colored by Phil Rachelson, lettered by John Costanza, and edited by Archie Goodwin. Um, okay. Iron Man is after MODOK. And he bursts into this aim base in Nevada. Uh, there is an empty cradle for some super weapon. And he's just like, well, it could be in one in se several locations. And I don't have uh, the ability to be in multiple places at once yet. Um, <laughs> so he contacts the champions and the champions are like, yeah, all right. Um, but there's a whole thing about like Modoc has caused a blackout. Uh, so he's not able to get word to them. So he just comes and invades their base and then is attacked weirdly. Um, but then they work it out. The Avengers split up to go and track down each of, uh, the, locations that modok might be in and it turns out he's not in any of them uh but in the course of things uh dark star is uh hurt, hurt. 
and winds up put on life support in the uh, the champion jet jet thing, uh, the wannabe Quinjet, um, and uh, Iron Man's just like, oh shit, I just realized where Modok is, and so he. Um, he contacts, um, he contacts the champions and he's just like, meet me at the Nevada base I told you about. So he heads there, he and MODOK fight, the champions show up, they fight some more. Um, it turns out that MODOK had been in the base when Iron Man was there previously, but had had simply shielded himself from view, um... And uh, he's now working on a what amounts to a floating cerebro chair. Um, Iron Man juices himself up on the cradle uh, that was there and uses it to attack Modok. Modok gets blown out of the air and seemingly explodes. Um, Wee. And then they're just like, yeah, so we should probably attend to our injured teammate now. She's, she may have died while we were doing this, but, uh, all right. Avengers number 163 has a cover by George Perez and Pablo Marcos, written by Jim Shooter, penciled by George Tusca, inked by Pablo Marcos, colored by Don Warfield and lettered by Gaspar Saladino and Denise Wall and edited by Archie Goodwin. Um, <clears throat> this this issue is basically uh, the champions come, several of them, that is, uh, Hercules, Iceman, and Black Widow um, come to meet up with... Uh, with Iron Man because he called them. Iron Man then attacks them, uh, and we find out that it's at the behest of Typhon, who had previously shown up in Avengers to be like, Grr, Hercules. Uh, and uh, he is doing Grr, so Hercules. because he has worked out a deal with Hades that if he kills Hercules, he will be released from the underworld. So he takes Beast hostage. Uh, and uses him to force Iron Man to do it. Iron Man uh, tries to find a way to alert the champions to what's going on uh, without giving away that he's doing so, so that Typhon doesn't just immediately murder Beast. Blah, blah, blah. Um, This issue is a bit of a chore, in my opinion, (sighs) just because, like... We don't know what's going on for the first half of the... Well, not half, but the first few pages of the fight. We don't know what the hell is happening other than Iron Man has to fight him for show, for some reason. Yeah. And it's just... It's too much. Yeah. Um, it goes on a little too long before we get the explanation. And I don't really like that. Yeah. But... And then when when we get the explanation, it's like, I don't really like this either. So... Yep. Uh, eventually, the, he uh, tails the champions back to the Avengers Mansion. 
in a convincing enough way that he feel or he feels anyway that uh, Typhon doesn't suspect. Uh, they burst in, uh, kick Typhon's ass, and uh, send him home. Yeah. Um, uh, Beast joins in the fight, having freed himself. At the end of this, though, Beast is just kind of like, you know, what am I doing? Like, why? What am I doing here? I am clearly not Avengers material. I'm mostly a a, a uh, liability, and it's just kind of like. Uh, you know, the Avengers have had some really shitty members, so you're fine, man. Like, you're fine. You're super strong. Yeah. You you're... We don't have to work as hard to make a case for you being an Avenger as we did for Swordsman. Yeah. So don't worry about it. Yeah. So, uh, like I said, overall, eh, uh, there's a couple of things... I'm kind of stoked for, like I said, the Wonder Man's uh, fear of a second death is interesting, and I can't wait to see what we do with that. Um, You know, Jocasta becomes kind of a fixture for a while. It's kind of weird reading stuff now with, like, Iron Man 2020 uh, and Machine Man, where she's kind of stuck in the crossfire, but whatever. Um... So yeah, Uh, not bad, but not super great overall. Um, As a run of Avengers goes, it is fine. It is. It is fine, I guess. Sure. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So, moving on. Ms. Marvel, number six, has a cover by John Buscema... Frank Giacoya, Marie Severin, and Danny Crespi, and is written by Chris Claremont, penciled by Jim Mooney, inked by Joe Sinnott, colored by Janice Cohen, lettered by Gaspar Saladino and John Costanza, and edited by Archie Goodwin. Um, the We have some stuff with women, Woman Magazine, where Jonah's just like, you made Ms. Marvel out to be a good guy, but I hate superheroes. What the fuck are you doing? And she's just like, well, sales were fucking great, so get off my back. Um, so she then she then passes out due to danger senses, um, which this is kind of getting I annoying. Hate the seventh sense. I hate the seventh sense so much. Um, they rely on it hard this week every issue has her well not every issue but at least three issues have her having cryptic visions and then piecing them together throughout the rest of the issue yeah they hate it yeah um uh but the upshot of this issue is that she go she goes as ms marvel to this factory uh where there's a fire um, and it turns out that it's come under attack from Grotesque, who appeared in X-Men back in the day, uh, who is tearing it up to get at this Caverite crystal. Um, and uh, it's kind of it's kind of interesting. Caverite, Caverite is from H.G. Wells. Uh, in H.G. Wells' stories, um, 
Cavorite is what makes the first extraplanetary uh, travel possible. And huh. that's why they're making it out like it's the possible, it's the potential catalyst for um, for warp travel in these issues this week. But, yeah. Um, so the... I don't mind... I actually don't mind the Cavorite. There, there are times where I'm like, in Marvel, where we're doing... And we gotta do an unobtainium or something like that, right. where the, the thing is annoying. Yeah. Whereas this... I actually don't hate it. Yeah. Um, and they're... So they're trying to use it to experiment to make these possible interplanetary engines. However, the when you use it, when you pump dump energy into it, if it if you're not doing it controlled enough, it'll blow back tenfold, right? And you'll obliterate the the surrounding area. Yeah. Uh so she shows up at the lab and tries to rescue these uh firefighters uh when who are being attacked by a grotesque he already has the, the crystal and she distracts grotesque the firefighters get out okay so that's thing one taken care of uh now she starts fighting grotesque and it's going uh poorly yeah um he's stronger than her he's faster than he should than she anticipates and uh but she manages to get in some decent hits when it looks like she's down. Uh, her sh- her suit she... shorts out, I think, during this fight. Right, because of the fire. Um, and because she's getting just knocked around by grotesque. Uh, at the end of it, the whole thing comes down on her. And grotesque is up top gloating about how he's going to wipe out humanity the way they wiped wiped out his race and so on and so forth <clears throat> uh ms marvel number seven has a cover by rich buckler joe sinnett and andy crespi and is colored by don warfield and lettered by joe rosen uh so ms marvel manages to avoid the worst of it uh, because the floor gives way and stuff like that. But uh, she winds up being found by some AIM agents because she kind of falls into their uh, subterranean lair. Um, they strip her of her costume and put her up in this, you know, your standard superhero bondage thing. Uh, and Modok is just like, we know from previous interactions that your uh a lot of your powers come from your suit so we're gonna take your suit learn how to use it and copy it and you meanwhile will be brainwashed and become a servant of aim uh this this fails on two fronts one because uh the suit was damaged so fuck it uh and two because when he tries to take over ms marvel's mind he does not know he's dealing with a 
not quite split personality, uh, like two warring personas situation. And so he, he succeeds in brainwashing one, but the other fights back. Um, and the suit does not work on the woman that they put it on. So he's just like, okay, well, you're going to die now. Um, and he tries to make Ms. Marvel kill the woman, but that's when Ms. Marvel breaks loose. Um, so she then manages to get free. And in the course of things, we discover that her additional exposure to the psychomagnetron caused the suit's powers to be transferred to her uh, in a number of ways. She can now fly without the suit, but she does not have the shield that the suit had. Stuff like that. So she breaks free, gets her suit back, um, escapes, and winds up... Bel- she winds up blasting through this wall into another another aim factions base which Modok was going to be attacking. This aim base turns out to be a ritzy New York department store and she's just like shit, well, I'll be back to deal with that. <laughs> uh, and <laughs> so she gets the fuck out of there. Um so yeah um that's issue seven uh ms marvel number eight has a cover by keith pollard joe sinnett and danny crespi and is lettered by gaspar saladino and john costanza i'm getting eaten alive by something here and it's driving me crazy uh so carol calls in a favor with someone who is now a shield agent Uh, and they go back to check out the department store, but everything they can shield can't find any indication of the aim base. Um, Carol's just like, fuck, I swear it's here. And, uh, the guy's just like, based on what? And she goes, I have a source. I can't tell you who it is, but I promise you they are unimpeachable. And the guy's just like, whatever. I've done what I can, but there's nothing here. Consider my debt to you paid in full. And he's just like, peace, I'm out. Um, yeah. Fury's going to kill me for using this many resources to find nothing. So thanks. Uh, I'm going to go get murdered. Yeah. Now. Um, I'm going to go get tossed off the uh, helicarrier. Yeah. Um, so she, there's been this photographer that they're sort of, uh, positioning as a possible confidant or love interest or something. And she brushes him off cause she's pissed. And, uh, she goes walking in the rain and is followed by, or to meet a Tracy Burke, who is this, uh, going to co-edit or be an editor at the magazine with her. Um, Except that there's, she's had problems in the past and they're going to make sure that it's like still fine. Their conversation is broken up by some dudes who are just being assholes and she kicks the shit out of them. Um, So and then the the uh, next, the meeting goes well, uh, Tracy Burks is like, nope, I've got my shit together. Um, really, I do. 
Uh, and afterward, she's like, yeah, but I don't know if this is the kind of stress. Well, that's later, isn't it? Uh, next scene is them, her and what's his the shrink, face? Michael Bennett. Yeah, on the beach, and they have been having a date day and uh, subconsciously walked from their place directly to the radar station that she saw on her vision uh and she basically just leaves the guy on the beach goes and infiltrates this radar station to find the guards all knocked out and it's a lot heavier like guarded than a place like this has any right being uh grotesque is there he starts the reaction of dumping a bunch of laser energy into the uh, crystal. They have a fight. Uh, he manages... He dunks her in the ocean until he's satisfied that she must be dead. Uh, convinces herself that she... Er, and goes back to like make sure that the reaction continues. She wasn't dead. He throws her... In, or she ends up throwing her or the grotesque into the laser and uh which and then the reaction goes off because there wasn't enough energy in it um and it basically vaporizes the entire installation yeah or moves uh it. michael bennett had gotten the guards out uh though that doesn't explain anybody else like Presumably there would have been other people in the installation, but the only ones he mentions are the guards. So hundreds still died. Um, yeah. Grotesque is seemingly killed. Uh, I don't know if he actually is. I didn't look it up. Uh, but she comes to and she's still got the Cavorite crystal. The thing that I kind of like in all of this is that uh, she doesn't feel good about this whole thing like she's she's glad that grotesque was stopped but she recognizes that grotesque uh has a legitimate grievance even though yeah. the way in which he went about it was not great so yeah so ms marvel number nine has a cover by dave cockram joe sinnott and irving watanabe and is penciled by keith pollard inked by joe sinnott and sam granger colored by janice cohen um this issue is the first appearance of Deathbird, the uh sister of lalandra naramani of the shiar um she carol winds up being attacked she she gets a hint of danger sense and so she starts she leaves a date so she can go and change. She starts flying around the city when she's attacked by Deathbird. Um, it turns out the Deathbird owes a debt to Modok somehow, uh, and that part of her, part of her, <clears throat> paying that debt off is to kill Ms. Marvel. She had not necessarily been looking for Ms. Marvel at that exact moment. She was actually running another errand when she saw her and was just like, cool. Um, so they fight. Um, Deathbird is content in thinking that she'd murdered Ms. Marvel, but she hadn't. Uh, so, yeah. So Deathbird gets the fuck out of there. 
Carol goes back to her apartment, but it's on fire. Um, and so she she helps to save some people and puts the fire out. Um, we get a brief flashback of one of her previous relationships with Michael Rossi when she was in the Air Force. Um, but all her shit has been destroyed. Uh, and it turns out that it was actually her place that was targeted. It wasn't an accident. Um, and a guy is on the phone in a phone booth outside saying, well, we didn't destroy the documents or find them, but we're on, we're on it. Um, and his boss is just like, good, they must be destroyed. She knows too much about us. Blah, blah, blah. So, uh, Carol goes to work at woman magazine. Uh, Jonah, forces some friend of a daughter of a friend onto her. Um, but she's just like, whatever, I gotta go. <laughs> and kind of leaves. Uh, who's the editor? Tracy Fuck. Burke. Tracy Burke. Her Joe, her Joe Robertson in charge. Uh, and she's just like, uh, she balls out this dude for, uh, turning in subpar work and he's just like what but I'm an artist I know what I'm doing and she's like no this is bullshit and you know it uh, and so um, she goes on her lunch break to check out the department store she tries to find her way in uh, but she's recognized and that leads to AIM trying to uh capture her again she gets captured before she really has a chance to change and is brought before the head of the department store who is an agent of aim uh right as that happens modok and his faction of aim attack and uh yeah and it's really annoying because it's basically blue aim versus yellow aim and it's just it's like it's you have to, you have to, every, every panel I was going, okay, different faction member or coloring error. Um, yeah, exactly. But whatever. So Deathbird uh, is there as well. Blah. Uh, Sorry. Yeah. Contrivance after contrivance to keep her from getting killed. The thing that I do like though, is that, well, maybe I like it. I don't know. Help me examine this. Uh, Carol is purposefully trying to, like, handle this on her own, right? Yeah. And instead of just letting Miss Marvel run the show. Um, and uh, I don't know. She I mean, A, she handles herself pretty well. I mean, we have to remember she was in the Air Force. Like, right. she, she can handle herself. It's just... Uh, I, I, I like the stick... Even in the back of her brain... She's like, why am I doing this? Like, why am I, I should just let her take care, take over. This is what she's for. Um, yeah. And I think she's tired of being backburnered so much, which I appreciate. So. Yeah. I, I like, I like that. I am trying to give Chris Claremont the benefit of the doubt here. Um, yeah. In thinking that 
the evolving nature of their relationship is a plan on Chris Claremont's part and not more of the Captain Marvel Rick Jones situation where it's just kind of like we're throwing shit against the wall and see what sticks uh, and that it's not just like, well, we're, we're kind of trying to figure out what the balance is. Um, I'm just hoping like with Captain America, I don't like us trying to do a secret identity thing. Just be the character. It's yeah. both right. Like, yeah. Meld them together somehow and do that as fast as possible and just have her be Carol Danvers, Miss Marvel. Right. Well, like, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I'm fine with, like I said, I'm fine with it as long as it's actually going somewhere. I have spent so much time reading bullshit like this and Hulk where they're just like, okay, well, things haven't really been working. So what if we try this? Um, And uh, so on. So it's, it's hard it's hard for me to just sit back and let Chris Claremont do what he wants to do because I'm worried that we're going down that road, but I'm trying real hard and I want I'm, I'm, I'm doing my best. Like it's easy. It's easy for me to think that this is a plan because, because we keep bringing it up. Um, yeah. If it were just like, a thing that was happening like you know part not not part of the story then i would be like this is worrisome but the fact that she's recognizing it right like both she's yeah are are recognizing to the audience that there's a thing happening is like mel okay i'm willing to give you some more rope here to see right it's just this is okay so I've done this with not only Captain Marvel and Rick Jones, but Ghost Rider. We've had a lot of the, uh, what about this? Uh, Hulk, back when that started, and they were, well, what if Rick can control the Hulk when he's hulked out? No? Okay. That only lasts an issue? Okay. What about, what about this? What about he changes into the Hulk via machine? And like on and on and on. And it's just kind of like pick one thing and work with it and see how, see what you can get out of it. But don't just like be throwing shit at me. (sighs) Anyway, whatever. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, Like I said, this is at the point where I'm willing to give Chris Claremont a lot more leeway than I would otherwise, because this is Chris Claremont you know, at a point where I trust him not to completely fuck it up. And He's so, about to be incredibly good in uh, X-Men, so I'm really willing to, like... Yeah, like, he's... I've, I've, enjoy, I've enjoyed Iron Fist more than I thought I would with him writing it. I've mm-hmm. enjoyed X-Men, even though it's kind of not quite where I know it's going and stuff like that so i'm just like okay it's chris claremont at like the beginning of the height of his powers so fine um so yeah ms marvel number 10 has a cover by sal buscema um 
Tom Palmer and Irving Watanabe and is penciled by Sal Buscema, inked by Tom Palmer, colored by Phil Rachelson, and lettered by John Costanza. Uh, in the course of this firefight between the two, uh, Carol is largely forgotten, but in in diving behind something, Modoc's like, wait a minute, that was... Get her! <laughs> and so Deathbird, <laughs> Deathbird goes after her. She changes into Ms. Marvel, and they fight. Um... Modok gets away. Um, Deathbird follows. Yada yada yada. Uh, the leader, the the manager of the store and head aim agent of this installation, says that Modok is going after their missile silo uh, in the South Bronx. That he's going to shoot himself into orbit and take over Skylab. Uh, she's like, what about the people at Skylab? And he's like, well, they're going to die, obviously. Oh, I'm dying now. Uh, uh, so he, he dies and she goes after them. Uh, they have a big fight at the end of which the silent, the rocket launches. Deathbird is seemingly incinerated by the, (laughs) uh, by the fiery Holocaust. And, uh, she jumps into another room. Uh, because we, and this is the point at which we specifically find out that the shield she had in her costume previously did not carry over like her flight did. Um, but she is able to hit an abort button, which causes the capsule to eject. Um, she goes to find the escape pod, but Modok has already escaped and she's just like, I'm going to get you, you weird big headed motherfucker. Uh, so yeah, I, I really like the fight with Deathbird at the, uh, at the silo. It's a it is. good fight. Um, it is. So. And I, I like, so I, I don't know if it was just never really covered after this, but Deathbird's wings, the feathers actually have like barbed ends. Yeah. Whereas previously it had always been like, she's been clawy. But yeah. I'd never really gotten the impression that her wings were necessarily barbed as such. But they are here. And uh, I don't know. It's it's interesting because while there is no... There's clearly more going on with Deathbird because she talks strangely. Um, and she... Yeah, but like the only the only overt reference to who Deathbird is uh is that like um Deathbird makes mention of the fact that she uh wound up here uh and as a result owes Modoc and Carol just being like there's clearly more going on with this weirdo than meets the eye, but no real time to get into that because now she's been incinerated. So, okay, so Marvel Team Up number 59 has a cover by Dave Cockrum, Mike Esposito, and Danny Crespi, written by Chris Claremont, penciled by John Byrne, inked by Dave Hunt, colored by Dave Hunt, lettered by Gaspar Saladino, and Bruce Patterson, edited by Archie Goodwin. Uh, yeah. So Spider-Man's out swinging around uh, when he gets attacked by a burst of flame. Meanwhile, 
Jan and Hank Pym are at home. Apparently, Hank has fully recovered from the Ant-Man uh, brainwashing and uh, <clears throat> comes in all excited about his work. And Jan's like, fuck me. And he's like, oh, okay. Yeah, I'm down for that. Uh, so they're about to, but then he's just like, weird, did you see that flash? And she's just like, put it in me <laughs> and he's just like okay no that's fine and then there's uh there's like a bigger thing and he's just like oh my god spider-man's falling and uh so he goes racing off to save spider-man and jan's just like oh my god i need cock <laughs> uh, and i feel so bad for her because she's clearly like she just she she wants some attention from Hank, and I imagine this is I imagine this is much like we don't get as much of a window into their relationship as we do uh, Reed and Sue, but I imagine it's much the same where he's just like in his lab all the time, and she's just like bringing herself off on anything and everything she can because she just wants her husband to like touch her. And, uh, so I feel really, really bad. Like their relationship under the best of circumstances sucks. And so it's like everybody focuses on him slapping her and everything. But generally, generally speaking, Jan is, Jan is more outspoken than Sue was in the early days of Fantastic Four. But she's still often just as ignored. And I feel awful yeah. for her. Um, but so Yellow Jacket saves Spider-Man, takes him back to uh, their apartment. <clears throat> Unfortunately, not for a threesome like my uh, fanfic. But uh, just so that he can get his shit together. Uh, meanwhile, someone looks on. Ooh, I wonder who it'll be. I wonder. Um, so, he, he Spider-Man has a nightmare that, like, everybody is out to get him. Because most are. And, uh, and he wakes up and he's just like, oh shit, where, what, who, huh? And they're like, it's cool. Everything's fine. Uh, what do you remember about what happened? And he's like, I don't know. Um... And he, they're like, well, it looked like there was fire and ice. And he's like, well, I mean, there's Ice Man and Human Torch, but there's no reason why, A, they'd be trying to kill me, and B, they'd team up to do it. And he's like, but wait, there was a villain they fought called, what was it, Equinox? Like, and everything. But before they really have a chance... You know, Yellow Jacket's like, hey, we can help you. And Spider-Man's like, nah, it's cool. I'm kind of a lone wolf. <laughs> um, and so, but then, like, Equinox blows a hole in the apartment. And Spider-Man's like, you know, on second thought. and uh, Hey, uh, that, that offer's still open? Oops. Yeah. Uh, um, so Equinox attacks. Uh, we are... They fight him. 
it goes badly, um, and we are introduced to the. There's a traffic problems on one of the bridges, and uh, we are introduced to a new character coming in out of nowhere that's saying things like, "I'm hope I'm, I'm hope I'm in time to stop them." Oh, good. Uh, the fight continues, and uh, our our mystery character starts shouting out Equinox's name. Uh, in the end, though, Black Jacket or Yellow Jacket is tossed into a fuel truck with well, Equinox. Well, real quick, I do want to I do want to say in the midst of this fight. Jen is angry because her stings are not really doing anything to Equinox, and she makes reference to the fact that they don't really do anything against anybody, and she's just like, she calls Yellow Jacket out, she's just like, you know, you upgraded your stings, but like, mine still suck, and he's like, but I, mm-hmm. <laughs> and they don't really address that, then, okay, go ahead. Uh, as they're scuffling, though, the the woman from the bridge pulls out some kind of weapon that she's leveled against Equinox, and Equinox is like, you're here? I bet that's impossible, and he tosses a car at her. Uh, Spider-Man saves her. Um, Black Yellow Jacket goes in close. That's when they end up next to the tanker truck, and uh, um, this splash of the truck exploding on top of yellow jacket is so good um yeah so it's basically the giant the fireball explosion and uh then there's three panels running down the side down the right side that are each of their faces and it's just the line work and the and the inking on this is just so fucking good and the colors are fantastic John Byrne at this point in time is my jam. Like yeah. that's all there is to it. Yeah. Later on, fuck him. But well, it's one of those uh, things that, where it's like I don't like you don't have to work this hard on team up, guys. Um, so it's <laughs> so it's always nice to see when they're like, "No, nah, we're gonna pour pour it on for this page." Uh, fuck it. Yeah, and everybody's on board. Like I, you know, the lettering's good too. Like it's so great. Yeah. Um, I but yeah, it's just like wow, you you really don't have to work this hard for team up, but I'm glad you did. So go for it. Um, yeah, Yellow Jacket is seemingly killed. Jan swears vengeance, and uh, Equinox is like, bring it. Um, so yeah, uh, the, um, the gu- she did, and I, I think she did end up getting a shot off with her weird weapon, and uh, it did nothing to stop equinox so well we go so yeah um marvel team up number 60 has a cover by al milgram colored by don warfield lettered by gaspar saladino and joe rosen um wasp uh wasp has declared absolute vengeance against equinox uh but spider-man's just like okay we should maybe uh not do that right now he's gonna wipe the floor with us so let's go and talk uh so we, we find out the 
<laughs> we find out the backstory on Equinox. Uh, this this scientist, Margay Sorensen, she is a really famous scientist. Her husband was upset about being overshadowed, so he was doing a lot of work. Uh, but then there wound up being a fire and explosion, which killed her husband. And, uh, but not, of course, before he was abusive, because we needed more of a reason for him to not matter. Uh, but the sun is caught in the explosion, and that causes him to, uh, start alternating between hot and cold, and the faster it happens, the more insane it drives him, and so on and so forth. Whatever. Uh, you know, Spider-Man... Uh, Wasp gets angry because she's like, you know what? It doesn't matter. Your son killed my husband. It does not matter who he is or what he's going through. He killed my husband. And so Spider-Man steps in and he's like, whoa, I get what you're going through. But, and she's like, how the fuck do you know what what I'm going through? And he's just like, I've been there believe me but she probably knows more about how to stop him than we do so maybe don't break her neck in the process yeah so they uh so equinox attacks it's at this point that margay tries to use the devo- the gun she built but it has no effect um so the closest place they can go to do anything about this is the Baxter building. Um, Wasp flashes her Avengers ID card and she's like, Code Omega, let me in. And the computer system is just like, cool, come on in. <laughs> and uh, Spider-Man's like, what's a Code Omega? And she's like, basically the end of the world. But for me, it is. And so they go inside um, and... Uh, Equinox arrives and starts making his way up the building causing the computer system to freak out a bit they get cut off from Wasp and so Spider-Man works with uh, Margay to, to tinker with the device to make it more effective meanwhile Jan is outside dealing with the Baxter building defenses in the course of which which she discovers that her her strength while small is seriously augmented and that she's moving faster Um, she doesn't know what to attribute it to but she's just like okay I guess I'm running on adrenaline Uh, Equinox gets inside and there winds up being a big knockdown drag out during which Yellow Jacket shows back up Yellow Jacket, in the course of things, explains to Jan that he had actually slipped or something, which is kind of <laughs> fucked up. Uh, I, yeah, but slipped. I was like, you can't be fucking doing that, bro. Like, you gotta get yeah. consent. Like, the happy accident, I guess, but, like, messing with her powers without her knowledge is super not good. Um, yeah, like, I get that it's supposed to be a nice surprise, but, like, as a general rule... Don't like whether whether it's slipping someone a Mickey or 
uh, tinkering with their powers without their knowledge. Generally speaking, messing with someone's biochemistry without their knowledge or consent is a no-no. Even if it's supposed to be a nice, sweet anniversary gift, no. So, um, anyway. Anyway, so, so yeah. they They managed to defeat Equinox using the device, whatever, during which we find out Jan also has an upgraded stinger. Um, After it's over, over, Yellowjack explains, I slipped you something. Uh, It was going to require a shot of synthetic adrenaline to kick in, but apparently you seeing me seemingly die was enough, so now you've got some juiced up powers. And she's just like, okay cool um so during the course of the police the the only thing that matters for next issue is like during the course of the fight um he spider-man got knocked into a wall that opened some sort of safe and uh the totem fell out or a, a a bar that we've seen before i think in team up no, it was Marvel Chillers when it was Tigra. Oh, okay, yeah. Because um, that one cult leader dude had it, and then Super Scroll was involved, and yeah. there's a whole fucking thing. Who cares? Or that cult um, was Super Scroll? I forget. I think it's we been a minute. recap. Anyway, I, so... Uh, so, Spider-Man, like, Equinox is taken away... Spider-Man stays behind to clean up the Baxter building uh, and Jen and Hank go home to straight bang it out. Um, le- like I said, yeah, the Jen and Hank's relationship at its best is ridiculously unhealthy. And so, like, even even if he had never gotten around to hitting her, I'm glad their that their relationship has largely been abandoned. That's not to say it's completely uh they've toyed with bringing it back, but uh largely they've been done and I'm glad. Um Marvel Team Up number 61 has a cover by Al Milgram and Joe Sinnott, cover colored by Dave Hunt, lettered by Gaspar Saladino and John Costanza. Uh, Spider-Man cleans up the Baxter building. Suddenly he is attacked seemingly by the thing, uh, but then eventually by the entirety of the Fantastic Four. Uh, he gets straight punched out of the building. Uh, as he's, as he's recovering from that, he's, he's saved by the Human Torch and Spider-Man's like, what? Fuck you and attacks him. And the torch is like, whoa, what the what the fuck, man? I just saved your life. And Spider-Man's like, but you and your buddies just attacked me. And Human Torch is like, no. no. And uh, Johnny... Everybody else is gone. Um, yeah. I'm only here on accident. Yeah. Uh, Johnny realizes who it was that actually attacked him. Um so yeah uh they head back to the baxter building um but in the in the rubble the human torch sees the totem stick uh and he's just like 
yep okay it was super scroll uh it's then that we get the backstory on what the to the totem wand what it is, is all about yeah how it got um, and how it got into their hands so and yeah you're right the cult leader was super scroll that's yeah. my bad um but Super Scroll tried to absorb Tigra into it, but it turned out that he got absorbed instead. The wand was then turned over to the Fantastic Four. Reed was like, I don't know what to do with this, but we'll put it in a thing. Keep it safe until I do. Um, Super Scroll is now loose. I like, I like and... to think of Reed just being like, I'm kind of busy right now to be dealing with possible this fucking weirdness, so we'll just put it away. Uh and I'll put it on the list. Like, I imagine yeah. Reed has a list, and that list is 9,000 things long. And it's all... I, I imagine. Just weird shit I have to get to. Um, yeah. And Fix Ben is at the top, and we're just never going to get to anything else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, the battle is far-ranging, uh, but it takes them to um this train yard uh in the course of things um uh you know spider-man sees gene dewolf and uh rafael scarfy and he's like hey uh super scroll is here uh so can you guys keep him busy? And so, um, the cops with just their guns start plinking away at the super scroll, um, with their super, super scroll blasters that they got from Reed Richards. Uh, Spider-Man has the human torch help him and they build a trap. Um, in the course of this, the police then are forced to retreat by the Super Scroll. Um, the uh, Super Scroll comes over, and he and the Torch battle while Super while Spider Man finishes up. But the Torch gets knocked the fuck away and uh, gets put out of the fight pretty quickly. Uh, so. Um, the Spider-Man then proceeds to trick the Super Scroll through this trap, um, that is ostensibly going to rob him of his powers, but it just pisses him off, yeah. uh, and it does not work. So, yeah, um, Marvel Team Up number 62 has a cover by Gil Kane and Mike Esposito. Um, they they fight, uh, but during during this battle, uh, Spider Man notices that the Super Scroll is not hitting as hard as uh, he normally does, and it's then that he realizes that the electrical lines above them are interfering with because at this point in time the super scroll is beamed power from this asteroid um 
and it's what makes him so strong. The reason that the Super Scroll you encounter now in Marvel Comics is not as strong as Super Scroll as he was previously is because those powers are now a part of him, but not to the same extent as when he was being beamed power from outer space. So the electric little lines are creating interference, which depowers him somewhat. So he's like, cool. But then the Super Scroll works out the same thing, so he blasts the generators and Spider-Man's like, oh shit, I'm fucked. Um, <laughs> Spider-Man, uh, so Super Scroll is just like, whatever, and takes off. Uh, Spider-Man climbs out and uh, Super Scroll then proceeds to plow through the side of the Queen Elizabeth II. Um, in doing so, he grabs a container that, as we discover, has another uh, Cavorite uh, crystal hidden inside a statue. Um, Super Skrull is then attacked by Ms. Marvel, who was on the boat. Uh, they fight. Spider-Man uh, arrives at the, <laughs> at the waterline in time to see Ms. Marvel get knocked off the ship, but he webs her... Uh, and saves her. I love they that then since we've been talking so much about Ms. Marvel's like duality thing here, Ms. Marvel, the Cree side, hates Skrulls so much that like it's just forced. Like, yeah, it isn't even that this is not a Carol decides to do anything, it's just like fucking Skrull, no, and yeah, <laughs> done. So, yeah, well, and I and I like the thing. That, you know, yeah, like, because of the duality, she straight up, at one point in this issue, she straight up tells the, uh, the captain of the Queen Elizabeth to, she's like, I will sacrifice you, me, and every other person on this ship to destroy yeah. this motherfucker. Um, but so Captain America and Ms. Marvel team up against Super Skrull. What winds up happening is uh, Ms. Marvel constructs a grid over the top of the ship. They trick the Super Scroll into this uh, cabin, which, um, with Ms. Marvel in there with him pounding each other in the mush, um, that wound up sounding like Hank and Jan banging it out, but it was not intended. Uh, but um, the upshot of all of this is that when Spider-Man throws the switch, the it winds up that the crystal tr teleports Super Scroll somewhere. Yeah. We don't know where yet. Uh, but after it, after this happens, Ms. Marvel picks up the the crystal and she's like, oh my God, like this is the one I had dealt with before was imperfect and hadn't been, uh, hadn't been properly, um, refined. This, however, is a perfect Cavorite crystal and she's kind of, she's kind of, she's kind of going full golem on yeah. this thing. Yeah. Uh, and Spider-Man's like, hey, 
you okay? And she's like, what? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll see where that goes. Um, the thing that I hate about this is when we have a storyline that branches that lasts more than a single issue, it's always incredibly contrived with the exception of because the number 59 was Spider-Man and yellow jacket. Number 60 was Spider-Man and the wasp. Yeah. Barring stuff like that. They're so adamant that it has to be a different hero each issue that then the switch between, like, the Human Torch and Ms. Marvel feels incredibly contrived. Yeah. Um, because she's so, on the ship. Right. She just happens to be on the ship, yeah. and Human Torch takes a takes punch a that knocks yeah. him out, and it's just like, okay, so now... We've got the, and it's just like, guys, like, just tell the story. It's fine. Yeah. If it, if you want to switch heroes, that's fine. But this, we have to every issue shit is really annoying. Yeah. Anyway. Top five. Top five. The Watcher's Guide's Top Five. Uh, number five. I've been messing with your powers. I hope that's okay. Like, just <laughs> don't, don't do that, Hank. Like, even well-meaning, don't. No, no. Ugh. Hank. Uh, number four. Beast made this for me. Just, <laughs> <laughs> just love. Uh, I don't know why. Assuming that he's just sort of innocently excited about it. Like, oh, I have a friend. Um, I'm usually kind of a dick and I have a friend. Uh, yeah, I don't know. He's, Wonder Man is just, uh, that's hilarious. Uh, number three, uh, I legitimately enjoyed uh, Carol standing up to JJ at the beginning of Miss Marvel this week. I thought that was cool. Um, yeah. J- uh, J- Jonah getting some of his shit pushed back at him is is good um, yeah number two uh, is the death bird fight um, just in the silo the fir- the last one because you start picking up on some of like what death bird's deal is and like there is more mystery there it just sort of sucks that she ends up being incinerated by uh, a rocket uh, what what's like, really I know she comes back, but yeah. Well, right. Um, it, Chris Claremont is really interesting because, like, he's just constantly shoving in, like, all kinds of shit so that he can just come back later and be like, so here's what this thing was. And uh, I know I keep blathering on about this documentary, but there was a thing in there where the Louis Simonson was talking about being Chris Claremont's editor, and he he'd come to her and be like, I'm out of ideas. I can't come up with anything. And she'd be like, well, didn't you put something in this random issue that was like a dangling plot thread about such and such? Weren't you going to build on that? And he's like, 
oh my god you're right and he'd go off and come <laughs> and so like his entire run on stuff is just full of him just being like dropping shit so that he can pick it up later yeah so and i like the i like that he does that in his other books too right like yeah. he does that all the time in x-men mm-hmm. duh but like he does he does X-Men drops in Miss Marvel, right? Because, like, right. the Shi'ar are a fairly X-Men thing. And, but, like, to drop... Well, especially now. Well, like definitely now. In, in, in later years, the Shi'ar, it's just kind of like, well, we have this empire that, like, spans a huge amount. It seems weird that they only ever in, interact with the X-Men. But at this point in time, the Shi'ar are X-Men. That's yeah. all there is to yeah. it. And the fact that he's willing to drop a character and some illusions because she shows up and you're like, well, that's a, if you've been reading X-Men, you're just like, this person looks like Lalandra for sure. Like this has to be related. And, but then we make no promises on that. It's just like, well, it's, it's like she shows up and you're just like, huh a bird lady and she kind of seems like an alien like yeah hmm. and so we don't make any promises on that we just like put it there and if i need something i can get it later uh and then my number one was that that page of the explosion in team up because like i said uh you don't have to work that hard in team up uh it's it's not (laughs) it's not that kind of book right like the book's part we've we've stressed it before the book's purpose is to either reintroduce you to a character that maybe has been flagging a little lately or something because we know you're gonna read team up because it's got spider-man in it uh and or to wrap up a story that got that got shit canned by a book's cancellation right um yeah so you, you you don't have to but when like that page is fucking awesome. So yeah. All right, uh, that's me. Well, I have a I have a hard time putting these in order because they're kind of all over the place. Um, number five is Doom hates all the fawning. I <laughs> I kind I kind of I kind of like this from the standpoint of like. Uh, you know how Thanos always kind of uh, l- lays the lays the or sows the seeds of his own defeat, even unconsciously. Whereas this is just Doom being like, "What is the point of winning if nobody knows I've won?" This is bullshit. I don't like this. <laughs> um, I control so the Earth, and nobody knows. Yeah, like I can't even gloat at Reed Richards. He'll he'll show up. Even I can go over there and tell him to hit himself in the nards like for an hour straight, but he's not going to be like aware of any. He's just going to be like, "Yes, Lord Doom, thump 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 thump." Like and that'll be satisfying so, yeah. for like ten or fifteen minutes. But then after that, really, without an audience, what is victory? Yeah, uh, and yeah. I, I like how insecure Doom is here. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. 
Uh, number four is uh, I have Cree hate scroll so bad. Uh, <laughs> because yeah, that, was, yeah, that I, was that was a contender for my list as well. But go ahead, sorry. And just the fact that, like I said, she's she's ostensibly a superhero, but she's like, I will straight sacrifice everybody here. I'm not even. You don't understand how badly I need to kill this guy. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah. Um, number number three is uh, is uh, Jan. I so. In the, it's taken me a while to warm up to Jan. Um, and in the past, I have I've certainly joked about uh, about Jan being thirsty as fuck because well, she is. Yeah. But but like I have you know thinking about it in the context of the you know, of the era that we're looking at to see a woman who is in so utter, such complete control of her sexuality. She'll like, she's just like, yeah, I love Dick. Like what, what, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And so if you want to get on me about it, fuck off. (gasps) She's like, she will openly lust after teammates, but like, She's not, like, cheating, but she's just like, hey, you're hot. I just wanted you to know that, like, I'm in a, I'm in a committed thing, but I'm just, I wanted to let you know, I've noticed, and I dig it. Yeah. And, like, that's to cool. The and then, that, like, like, Clint is, or, you know, to the points that, like, some, some of the other people are like, uh, okay, not welcome? Thank you. <laughs> okay i just wanted you to know this is the last i'll say of it maybe one more time probably one more time but okay yeah uh but but also just the fact that you know like um the fact that you know even even at this point as sue richards has become more um more uh, assertive, you still would never see like Sue Richards standing there in what Jan is wearing, just like, hey, stop thinking about science and fuck me. And I don't know. I just, it's like, it's taken me a while to realize that like Jan is not the butt of the joke here. She's like in control, and that's really cool. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's uh, yeah. Number two is uh, Wonder Man just being like, "Oh shit, we could die." Like, fuck. I know. I know. I just came back, uh, and that shouldn't hold that much fear for me. But I don't want to go back there. Like, yeah. So I don't want to die yeah. again. Yeah. Um. It was really scary. <laughs> Yeah. You guys don't understand. <laughs> so, yeah, I I like that. I I don't I don't want it to be 
a long-term thing. I don't no. want to, because after a certain point, it's going to be like, okay, dude, you either need to get over this or just leave the Avengers. Yeah. If you don't want to be a hero, don't be a hero. But, like, get over it. But, like, in the short term, that's incredibly interesting, and I'm curious to see where they go with it. Yeah. Uh, and the number one this week for me is uh, Ms. Marvel uh, not feeling super great about grotesque dying. Yeah. Um, because she is, she's just like, you know, there's, if the situation were reversed, I can't guarantee I wouldn't do the exact same thing. He was as much a warrior as I am. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I I dig that. Um, and it's not something you see a lot from some books at this point in time but yeah uh so next week we have some ghost riders some captain marvel and then a few various and sundry other things um the reading list that i have i may tweak a little uh because there's like two annuals on there mm. so might uh might bump one of those back a week but uh Either way, uh, yeah. So in the meantime, like us on Facebook, follow us both individually and at Watcher's Guide MU. Uh, visit our website at watchersguide.com or email us at watchersguide at gmail.com and have a marvelous week. Bye.